Welcome to my basement, everybody. Hey, hey, Vic, how are you? I'm great, pal. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I noticed last week that it sounded like I was in a shoebox for most of the episode. Well, you were moving so, around all over the damn place. I was place. told by our technical advisor that I need to talk into the microphone more. Can you Can say you our technical me? advisor's uh, last name? Josh uh, Skenkrich, which I also believe is an obscure creature race from the Lord of the Rings universe. Is it Skenkrich? Is that right? Scrankwitch. There it is. It's very Which hard. Which I believe is an obscure creature race from the Lord of the Rings universe. <laughs> Look out for the Skankriches. Skankrich? Skankrich. Just say it fast. And You're Skankrich. My we, last name is Jones. That's yeah, we, we had a lot of, and my last name is Lucas, and we had a lot of uh, response to our last episode because, you know, it was all bad news with LucasArts going under. Okay, what is the what are these responses? Go well, they're, ahead. they're actually too long. I'm on the page right now. Well, just and, give me the gist because um, I don't have all day. Uh, people are talking about stupid extras in video games that uh, cost people money. Will you call someone I used to buy personally? a lot of old LucasArts give, games. Give someone credit. What, who's this person? Oh, uh, ben Jammin. Benjamin. Yeah, I went to school with Benjamin. <laughs> He's talking about like uh, lots name. of stupid ones out there. And then there's fun extras like Star Wars characters and Tony Hawk. Skate's ability to jump off a building Why and see how badly you hurt. What do these have to do with anything? Well, I, we asked people to respond to us and tell us some of their thoughts about LucasArts. Well, and, what does and, Tony Hawk have to do with LucasArts? Well, they're, Sorry, they're, I'm in one of my modes They're, they're going into the discussion on, on what's going on with the business right now. Because everybody has got... Uh, you know, some concern and some fear about some, like you, you have targets like THQ or these big institutions like THQ and, and LucasArts just evaporate all of a sudden. It's uh, it's kind of freaky deaky, man. If you've been a long time gamer, people yeah. are, people are scared out there. You know what? If, if I, I went to a hockey game last night because yes. I'm trying to become fully Canadian and that's part of the, the initiation. You have to go to at least a, four or five hockey games. Have you done the maple syrup bath yet? <laughs> I look forward to that. That, that sounds yeah, nice. I mean, that, maybe that's one of the last steps. Sounds like what my old skin could use, you know, just <laughs> some re-moisturizing. Anyway, we actually get it, baptized in maple syrup. It was our friend Blaine Kylo, and he said someone, you know, he's got some of the concerns that uh, we have and that mm-hmm. some of our listeners have. And he said that uh, someone pointed out to him recently that the last time that there was a console transition like this, and we're talking about the mid-2000s, 2004, 2005. Yep. The industry was in the same kind of creative turnaround at the end of a console cycle. People aren't really sure what's going to happen or where we're going or what we're going to do next. So his very comforting words of advice were, just relax. It's going to sort itself out. This happened before. It'll happen again. The new hardware will reinvigorate everyone creatively, and uh, we're all going to be fine. We're all going to be looking back. And we're going to be laughing and maybe by then we'll have invented time machines. So we'll be able to go back to the time machine and make sure that LucasArts doesn't close. And then we'll rewrite history and we'll all be happy again. Well, I agree with that. But I think that also what's happening is that the way that we've traditionally played video games is going to change in a big way. And I think we're going to see less of these uh, mid-level, you know, size projects, these sort of double A type games get made because they're going to be too crazy expensive for people to even risk that on. I mean, look at Tomb Raider and, uh, uh, you know, Hitman and, and Sleeping Dogs, the square, I just had to kind of 
have a reaction based on Yuichi Iwata stepping down from the company, saying that these things are not hitting their marks. And these are you know, pretty fantastic games that uh, were expensive to build. And they're still selling, but they're not selling as much as Square had predicted. And, and they just were not ready for this, this kind of blast against the price point. And I guess people are, are shifting their focus and their attention to other types of entertainment these days. I have to tell you something, yep. and I know this is not this is going to come as no surprise to you, yep. but I am, I'm despairing a bit. I honestly don't know, and I'm not joking around here, I don't know if I want to keep, I don't know if I want to stay in this business. Yeah. Because I am not playing stuff that's very compelling anymore. A lot of the stuff I'm playing feels like I'm wasting time I'm spinning tires. My life is going away. And what I'm on right now is kind of a vision quest, kind yeah. of a year walk. I'm, yeah. I, I want to see, I want to remind myself why I love this stuff. Right. And so what I've done is uh, I'm going back to, to games that, uh, that make me feel good, that make yeah. me feel hopeful. Yeah. So over the weekend, I did a kamikaze run through uh, uh, Ico mm-hmm. or Ico. It's Ico. Depends on where you're from. Well, Zoeta calls it eco, so Zed. that's what we're going to call it. He's uh, my personal friend, by the way. So I'm I'm looking for more games that make me feel hopeful, make me feel good, and you know, this uh, is a game that came out in 2005 and and was so refreshing and groundbreaking. It was and, it, yeah, it was like an adult take on a Mario type experience, and, you know, right? Uh, you know, and then there's Bioshock in 2007, but. You know, where are these moments, these big landmark moments? There's been so much recycling that we've gotten comfortable with. There's been, there's not been enough vision. There's not been enough imagination. There's not been enough stretching. I think there is, but not in the scale that there used to be. You know, I think we're seeing risk taking at a very, you know, smaller level in terms of budget, in terms of uh, uh, scope of a game. Uh, I, you know, I think 2D is back in full force and people are playing around with that. Guacamelee is just coming out right now and people are raving about it. I can't wait to jump into that. Guacamelee, this is, this is our great hope. Listen, no, I'm but tired I mean, of stabbing like, listen, people in the Mark head. The I'm tired Ninja. of shooting people in the head. I'm tired totally. of stabbing people in Mark of the Ninja. You know, it was a wonderful game, but I can't stab one more fucking person. You know what? I love Dishonored, and part of the reason why I loved it is because you could knock everybody out. You yeah. didn't have to fucking kill anybody. Yeah. I'm yeah. Just, my, my fucking virtual karma what? is shot. And, I can't fucking do this anymore. And that's, that's what's wonderful about the Metal Gear games as well, is that there's a lot of choice in the ways that you play those games. And there used to be a little bit more kind of uh, you know, stealth and sneaky in the Splinter Cell series, and hopefully that continues with Blacklist. Uh, you know, in terms of being able to avoid this conflict, but I think you're right. I think that we are playing the same kinds of uh, of uh, Pavlovian kill character uh, to progress type experiences over and over and over again. And and the industry does need to give us uh, some richer more expansive type of games like a shadow of the colossus even though we're, we're killing giant bosses and that uh or eco type experiences where it feels well, shadow of the colossus wasn't about the you know i mean you felt some mixed feelings when those bosses would totally. go down you'd feel a sadness you'd feel here are these marvelous creatures that i'm somehow dismantling and they're yeah. not just fucking mindless zombies who are just staggering for you towards you i mean we're just we're playing a walking dead survival instinct and I just wanted to open the window in my apartment and, and frisbee that fucking thing out onto Hastings Street. I know. I've had it. I think that's what it is. I think we've just hit our, our ceiling on how many of these things we can play that are kind of similar to each other. I think that's 
that's kind of a common thing with uh, entertainment on television and a lot of super hyper violent movies and stuff like that as well. I just you think saw the Evil Dead. Yeah, I think we're we're surrounded by uh, a lot of gore and a lot of really dark stuff, and we do need to take a break. And sometimes I feel like Nintendo is is you know brilliant in their resolution to just be this toy, you know, to be this this. Uh, uh, effervescent and, and lighter and younger skewing. Oh, their machine is a joke, though. Look at this thing. Their machine. That machine is terrible. Yeah, well, it's still proven itself for sure. But I think the, uh, I think it's working for them. I think this idea that they, they exist to counter program and to try to give this sort of, you know, Walt Disney kind of viewpoint on the on the, uh, on their entertainment is has paved a pretty solid road for those guys you know Listen, i don't know if i don't know if consumers are going to stay with them when you know kids can get ipad games for a lot less money these days and parents are uh, you know thinking a lot more about what they're spending their dollars on but yeah i agree with you i think that we are inundated with uh, hyper violence and uh, we do need some some more diversity and i don't think it's it's helped games like tomb raider to get more violent i don't think it's helped games uh like bioshock infinite I think the violence in Bioshock Infinite is its least satisfying element. And I think that there's a it's lot ridiculous. of reaction to it, you know? Uh, but, you know, the other side of this, and it, it, this, this comes, you know, into play when you're talking about these enormous budgets that these things cost, is that they're funded by public companies who have quotas to make and quarters to, to uh, succeed on, like Square recently with, with all of its announcements. Uh, and they are trying to kind of base these massive investments on a moving target and on people's kinds of appetites in a moment. Yeah, but once again, you're defending them. I don't care what no, their I'm problems not de- are. I, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm not defending them. I'm trying to sort of ascertain some ideas and some different ways to kind of approach this thinking. And I, I honestly don't know if, you know, public funded, like public company funded games are going to be the lifeblood of the future of the, the industry. I think things like right Kickstarter now it does not look like it. And I think a lot of indie development, I think you know, things with flexibility, things you know, titles and games that sort of are a little bit more nimble that can get made sooner. I think people are getting entertainment so quickly now that you know, you start a 2-year cycle on a video game and people's appetite may have completely changed by the time that new title has come out. I mean, how much Call of Duty burn are people feeling right now? You know, and that's unfortunately the aftermath that Bioshock Infinite has kind of launched in. So I went to a hockey game last night. Okay. And uh, I was with my friend Blaine and I said, you know what? I'm going to go get a hot dog. Do you want a hot dog? He said, no. I went out and I got a hot dog. This is while the puck is still moving around the ice because I learned after the first period, you do not go anywhere between periods. That's what they're called, right? Periods. Yes, yes. Because you can't even move around in the Rogers Arena. It's so dense. And so I went down and I'm standing there. And I asked the lady, I said, can I have a hot dog, please? She says four seventy five. It's not bad for a hot dog. I, I expected to pay more right. for a hot dog. I right. knew that I was at a stadium. Right. It's a very expensive stadium. Did and she so offer some DLC after that? She reaches underneath the register. Yeah. I don't know where she goes. And boom, there's the hot dog. Like it was just right, waiting right there <laughs> in a drawer or on a shelf. <laughs> or I was shocked. That's on the disc DLC right there. That's what that is. Right behind her, I could see some hot dogs on those roller things. You ever Being see those made, things yeah, where sure. they're rolling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And they, those they, are the fresh hot dogs. Yeah, they're kind. Of, they got like a nice, a nice glaze or a, a dew on them. And I thought those are the hot dogs for tomorrow's fans. This hot dog was wrapped up. Who knows how long ago it was wrapped up? And uh, it just tasted like misery and sand. Oh, I don't nice. even know why. You know, four seventy five. Awesome. I stood there eating it, dripping mustard all over my myself, and and uh, just you are so down. You just described a hot dog as misery and sand. Have you? You haven't had a hot dog. No, lately. I haven't. I don't I eat that. Don't I don't eat that, that crap. I don't yeah. ingest food guess what? like that. I don't eat it anymore either. <laughs> I learned my lesson from my four seventy five Rogers Arena hot dog last so night. So you are not going to go out and create uh, commercials for the misery and sand brand of uh, hot dogs. <laughs> just so we're clear. Yeah, get your misery and sand brand hot dogs. Come four seventy five. Yeah. So uh, no, I had a great time at the hockey game though. It was a lot of fun. Vancouver won. Two, uh, two, what is it, goals? Two, uh, yeah, they're zero. not touchdowns. They're two goals, goals yeah. two points, two zero. Yep. So very it's exciting very night. Very Canadian of you. It Bravo. Was, it was nice to... Bravo, eh? It was nice to just not go home and look at my shelf full of games I don't want to play. Right you now. didn't want to stab anybody in the head. No, there was no And no you did not stabbing. stab anybody at all, which is great. Sometimes you do need to take a break. We talk about this all the time. We're going to take a break from talking about video games with our guest today. We have a guest? Yes, we do. We've got a nice treat today. Somebody that uh, we've never had in the basement before. This is Mackenzie Gray. He's an actor that's based out of Vancouver and Los Angeles. You travel all over the place. Welcome, Mackenzie. Welcome. How are you? You You're in uh, the news all over the place these days. And you're kind of a a family friend here because you're good friends with uh, a producer on the show. Yes. And uh, so it's a real treat to have you because you haven't really been able to talk too much about what's going on with you. Yeah, it's going to be a very silent podcast. (laughs) You'll do do all the talking. I'll just say no. Well, yeah, Mackenzie Gray is in a little movie you may have heard of called The Man of Steel, which is, of course, Zack Snyder's reboot of Superman, working with Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer. And uh, so there's a lot of speculation right now about the role that you're playing in this film. Who, yes. who are you playing, Mackenzie? Uh, Squeaky the cat. Squeaky the cat. He's going to be yeah. playing a it's cat character. That's a DC character, ca- character isn't yeah, it? I think? yeah, for sure. I don't um, know that one. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm not as familiar with the universe as you are, Vic. But, uh, Squeaky the cat. I think he was one of Superman's greatest villains of the 50s. Yeah, yeah, I, th- yeah. I think he was. Yeah, so no, that's I, the take that we're going yeah, on. Yeah, be well, behind this. I, I can't actually say what I'm playing, um, but uh, there's a lot of speculation, and people put one and two and five together and come up with one. And uh, so it's, it's pretty funny, but... Um, and uh, I can't, you know, it's it's nice to not say in a way. I mean, the actors love to say, hey, I'm playing this and come and see it. But, yeah. but there's something to be said. I mean, I don't, I maybe it's because I'm older. I don't know. But I used to go to a movie. I didn't know who was in it. I totally. didn't know. I mean, maybe the two leads or something. I didn't know what the storyline was going to be. I didn't know the plot. You just go to the movie and you dig it and you have a good time. Yeah. And, and um, I still like to go to movies that I know nothing about, you know, that um, I might know. Oh, that stars in it or whatever, because I like to be surprised. And I think with the, particularly with the action hero, superhero films, there's such a huge collective um, uh, fandom mm-hmm. to these things that that uh, they want, they all want it to be their version of it, and they want it to have this and that, and it won't be this if it doesn't have that. And you know, in a way, it can be whatever it wants to be because yeah. it's a new version and it's a new reboot yeah zach you know? and the team is charting a really tricky course here because everybody loves the richard donner superman and you know christopher reeve is still fresh in a lot of memories out there mine included and uh and this is a totally different take we've got a uh, uh, at least from the trailers a more pensive a more broody 
uh, sort of darker tone to the to the character of Superman. Henry Cavill doesn't look, uh, you know, quite as, uh, you know, antiseptic or, or sort of disnified or whatever, or super clean like Christopher Reeve did. He's all yeah. scruffy and oh, he's very real, and he's he's an excellent Superman. I'm happy to promote uh, Henry across the board anywhere. He's he's uh, an, a sensational actor. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy, and he's. Um, he takes the responsibility of playing Superman very seriously. Yeah. And uh, it's not a light responsibility. You've got a lot of expectation. And, uh, you know, I heard uh, Henry told me, you know, there were, you know, when they first announced him, you know, the death threats, there were all sorts of things. Was, what? You know, the billions of bloggers, the KKKs, you know, you're saying it was destroying an American hero. Oh, my God. And, and so he faced a lot just taking the role. Yeah. And um, he's handled it all with extreme grace and class, and he's a wonderful guy. Same but, thing happened when you announced that I was replacing Tommy on the show. pretty much this exact same story. <laughs> KKK came out and... Scott, yeah. Scott could have been up for Superman. Have you seen this guy? Yeah, he's, have you, he's pretty you, good. But if you saw me next to Henry, I would look like yeah. the guy from Goonies. <laughs> sloth. <laughs> <laughs> Superman and Sloth. <laughs> but, but, you know, I've heard that Amy Adams, in honor of uh, Margot Kidder's nicotine-stained teeth, she's stained her teeth yellow, too, for this. Oh, I, that's what. You are I, I, tarnishing you can tell a great memory. smoking yeah, the whole time. I, I don't recall that. Somehow. I, I, it was the 70s beautiful Everybody Superman smoked movie. back then. Everybody yeah, I mean, because. there's going to be, you know, we've talked to before about, the, you know, there are going to be haters and there's yeah. the trolls and the people who get onto it, you know, and I don't, it's not that their opinion doesn't matter because it does, because ultimately they pay money to see the film. Yeah. But the film's going to be what it is, and it's a wonderful work of art, and yeah. Zach's got a beautiful vision. I mean, he's storyboarded it to the nth degree, and uh, he knows what he wants, and he loves the he loves the comics, and he okay. loves Superman. I mean, that's so obvious. You know what you know? else I think he really likes, too, is shooting here. He's done a few things here now. Yes, and he's got a good crew here who know him, who know his quirks, knows what he likes, knows how he works, and, and um, you know, he's... He's a really amazing director. I, I was very honored to to work with him. What's the difference? I mean, you've worked on lots and lots of stuff. You you were lead on a series. You've you've uh, you played Lex Luthor on Smallville, which was no small TV show and yeah. no small credit in your career. But what's the difference when you step onto a Christopher Nolan produced, Zack Snyder directed film? I think the stakes the stakes are always high. If you're a good actor, you bring your A game no matter what you do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, PSA or whatever, it doesn't matter. And But there's something about the fear or, or, or the expectation that when you're on a big show, you really can't mess up. And yeah. I, was, I was telling, I teach occasionally at UBC, I teach in the drama department um, in Tom Schulte's class. And uh, I, when I talk about learning your craft and hitting your marks and knowing your stuff. I think the craft is so important, uh, and young actors should learn that, that, you know, you can have all the art you want, and there's all these, you know, on-camera acting classes about finding your truth and so on, but, you know, that's, that's, your, that's your job outside of it. But if you don't know how to hit your marks or hit your eye lines and do things, you, you're kind of, it's, it's not good. Yeah. And so I, one of the things I try and impress upon them is that when you are uh, on a TV show or a medium-sized movie, every take is $10,000. Right. And, and that's because, of the, you know, think of the rental of all the equipment, all the crew that are there, 150 people, there's the cameras. The so I went to acting hall. school. Nobody told me that. That's excellent advice. But it's like, so you've got to think that in every take, that's a yeah. lot of money going yeah. into those takes. So it doesn't mean that it compounds 10,000, 20,000, take six. But it's, it's kind of to get that take that's usable each time. That's what it is. And so when you're on a $150 million picture or higher or whatever yeah. it is, yeah. the, the stakes each take are much higher. And you have to, so you're conscious of that. And so it doesn't mean you can't take 
a lot of takes. But Zach doesn't. He, he like, he'll take it till it's perfect. Yeah. But and sometimes that can be thirty takes or it can be two. Did you but, notice? You know, was there you know anybody getting belligerent or or caustic? I mean, we've never. all heard that uh, Christian Bale blow up that on no on no, his no. It, it, he runs a very happy set. Yeah. And uh, he's he you know he he plays football in between the takes and things. You know, he throws a ball and keeps it light. He's got a great sense of humor. You can all you're always welcome to watch at the Video Village, so you That's can awesome. watch what's going on. Um, and, uh, but you know, when it's time to go, use time to go. There's no messing around and the crews uh, respect that. You know, there's not the usual chit chat and taking time to quiet down. It's really, really good. And, uh, so I, I think he's just a wonderful director and he, he's got a big army to command yeah. and he's the boss and, yeah. you know, he's got that thing, but he's very, very easygoing. There were no blowups, there were no fights, there was no arguments. It was, it was a really amazingly happy set. The thing that I love about him being chosen as this guy, and Scott and I have reviewed a bunch of his movies on the show, is the uh, the visual strength of his films is unbelievable. Like it's going to knock you out. I, yeah. I, I can't say anything about it because it would be it would ruin it to say anything. But I'd say that we have a lot of real sets. Yeah, and then there's you know obviously CGI and backgrounds and stuff, but. Where they could, they blew stuff up for real. They, you know, they had the real buildings, the real sets, and and uh, the sets are extraordinary. And there's a theme even in every organic shape in the sets is thought out, and it's beautifully rendered. And uh, I think people are going to love it. Did I'm you- looking at uh, IMDb here, and it says that the movie is 148 minutes long. <laughs> I mean, it's a Superman movie. It's got to be big, right? They have to make it as expansive as possible. It's also from, you know, the Kristen, Christopher Nolan kind of oeuvre. You know, the these, Batman the, movies are Yeah, these are too, event yeah. films that, you know, are going to carve out a, I, an I evening. I don't think there's... I mean, I, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. But I know from what we've shot, I don't think there's going to be any boring minutes in it at yeah. all. It's pretty exciting. 148 yeah entertaining minutes you just made this man over here very excited I, I, I mean i'm starting at excited you know so and, and I, <laughs> you start every day at i'm pretty excited i'm pretty happy <laughs> i can't believe that we live in this world that we get to you know like i look man i i superman the original is one of the defining movies in my life it really kind of charted a course for me and it made me believe in all kinds of fantastic kind of possibilities the fact that a, a superman film was shot in my backyard here and i'm talking to one yeah. of the actors it's crazy, but like you've already been in a Superman project. Yeah, I was I was in Smallville twice actually, which is like did I, they... I played Lex's right hand guy, Doctor Krieg, who did yeah. all his uh, cyber experiments, and then I played his clone. I guess the idea was that Doctor Krieg had cloned Lex and cloned himself and became Lex. Yeah, um, but, <clears> but wasn't uh, that taken into consideration when they were casting you as Lex Luthor for the film? I I, I don't know. I know that. Um, I went into the audition to the callback, yeah. and uh, we'd made no mention of, of it particularly. And, yeah. uh, and um, I said, in chatting with Zach and his wife, who, uh, one of the producers, um, uh, I said, oh, I just thought I should let you know that um, Warner Brothers has bet the farm on me once already. And uh, I did Smallville and played Lex Luthor. And uh, Zach said, oh, really? You know, great. And... Uh, and um, you know, I showed him a picture of uh, what I looked like there. It was, a, it was actually a headshot that was done sort of after that. And he loved that look because uh, I didn't look like that, you know. And, and he just said, well, there's a whole different energy to you. It wasn't about that I looked like anything or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he loved the energy of it. And uh, so he asked me to uh, adjust what I was doing in the audition. And, 
you know, and, and sh- uh, take it to a different place. Awesome. And, uh, uh, I just said that know, you were cast as Lex Luthor in the film, and you didn't correct me, so... No, I, is I, that, is I that, didn't say that. No, no, yeah. I'm not. I'm, Ask I'm, him again more point no, no. Are you playing Lex Luthor in yes. the movie? I can't say. Oh, that was Scott. He, Scott said say. yes. No, and you Scott can't. Say, no, yeah. Scott and I do not have the same voice. <laughs> do you have any <laughs> other questions and thanks for, for me? Right, thanks for talking for me. I'm the real McKenzie. I can't say what I'm playing. I've joked around and said, you know, that I'm... You know, I've had... Every suggestion, people say, well, if he's not Lex, they wouldn't cast a guy like that as Lex. Why would they do it? You know, there's yeah. all those people. Yeah. And then other people say, oh, he must be Brainiac, or he must be this guy, yeah. he must be that guy. That's who I'm guessing. And, and it, you know what? It doesn't matter what I'm playing. It yeah. really doesn't, because the film is about Superman. Yeah. And it's about his journey and his thing. And uh, all the people that come into it that we know and the ones that we don't, there are many other secrets they're not letting out, and they won't let out till June 14th. And... Um, they're, they're going to be astounding to people, I think. And uh, I love that they've kept it secret. I mean, you know, they have a very tough force majeure. And uh, yeah. when I was working on it, I couldn't even talk. I didn't tell anybody I was even on it. And yeah, it's just Chuck, recently tell, come out that well, you're even in said, the no, movie. No, no, you can tell people are in the movie yeah. you can, and tell them it's fantastic. But you just don't say what you're doing. Yeah. And um, and so then more recently, I, I, I was asking them why I wasn't, up and on the IMDb and why they were keeping the secret and they had their reasons for yeah. what they were doing. And uh, I said, because I was up for a job in Toronto and, it, you know, Man of Steel's on my my resume, but it's not on the IMDb. And they thought I was, you know, fudging it. And so he said, if you're ever in that position again, you can have them call me directly and call these people at Warner Brothers and he gave me numbers and said, and they'll sort it out. They'll, they'll say it. And so he said, and this is what you can say. So when he told me that, that's what I said, you know, that I'm, Chuck's words were you can tell people are in a major substantial role in the film you're terrific in the movie and the movie is fantastic <laughs> and uh, so there it is you know? this is kind of one of those bulletproof um, uh, concepts in a promo kind of sense this is one of those kinds of movies there are they are going to do the red carpets and the junkets and stuff like that yeah. uh, but Warner Brothers I mean we obviously pitched them it was shot right near our studios here we pitched them on coming to the to the set with cameras and doing interviews and they said we don't really need that we yeah. don't really need you to spread the word about it and that it's true, but is there also a sense, because Superman Returns didn't do the business that everybody was expecting different, it different to. Different movie. Yeah. Different film. Did, did you get any sense from the Warner Brothers folks that you were dealing with or the producers on the movie that there was uh, a concern that this thing really had to hit big? It had to really deliver on all the, I, all the hope. I don't, you know, producers, for one thing, don't tell actors when they're... F- they have fears. Yeah, that's true, right? They don't, they don't tell you. You know, like, oh, I'm really worried about this film. Honey, it better be good, you know? But they, uh, th- there's a great confidence. You know, one of the things I love about Americans and American producers, and I love working for them, is they have an insanely good confidence. Yeah. And, and they don't go into things to make them not work, at any film, you yeah. know? And, uh, and I think that there's, you know, the, Chuck Roven, one of the great producers, um, uh, Lloyd Phillips, who just died recently, just to, died a couple of weeks ago, mm. or a couple of months ago. Um, and he's won an Oscar and produced many things. And Christopher Nolan, obviously, is an overseeing producer. They they don't make big mistakes. Yeah. They, they know what they're doing and they know how they're getting into it. You know, you hope it'll be received well, but they don't. They have a great confidence, let's just say that. I don't think they're worried. And we never talked about the other movie. Yeah. You know, Zach talked about it once in a while when people would ask him on set, hey, well, what about this? And, but it had no bearing on it. Like, as Zach repeatedly said to people, new, new, new slate, new deck, we're inventing it here. Yeah. So we don't care about, 
you know, we honor and respect Christopher Reeve and so on. But that was New part Deal, of my problem with know? Superman Returns is because, you know, obviously I grew up with the original, the, the 70s Superman. And right. when I saw Superman Returns, I couldn't help but feel sadness. I couldn't help but feel partly, partly by the tone of the film, but the remembrance of this actor that had defined the character. They were using the same music. Brandon Routh was great as Superman, but he looked so much like Christopher Reeve, I couldn't not think about it. So I feel like it's well, the I, right I, move to start I, I, again. I'm, I'm loath to criticize uh, stuff you know, publicly, but I think if I had a take on that film, uh, I would just say it couldn't decide what it wanted to be. Yeah. It wasn't its own film. Yeah. And there were many great things in it, but there were. I don't think it had a personality of its own. This film is completely its own personality. And you take it and you go with it. And I think that um, many years ago, I, uh, I played Frankenfurter in the Rocky Horror Show. Right. And it was the 21st anniversary revival. There were only five in the world, and I was in the North American one. And the, uh, Richard O'Brien, who created the original, said, if you're going to do this and I'm going to approve it, you have to change it. I don't want you to copy the movie right. or the original. In, reinvent it. So Peter Hinton, who's an amazing Canadian director, decided that he was going to set the whole thing as if it was in, uh, the, you know, Warhol's factory and in the thin white Duke days of Bowie. Everything was going to be in white. And the concept was that Frankenfurter and Columbia and, and uh, you know, Riff Raff and so on had left transsexual because it was dying of AIDS. Mm. So he gave it this whole thing that they're looking for a place to have free love and they come and it all falls apart and whatever. And so it was a complete reinvention. And when I was doing it, because I, I sound, when I sing, I sound like Tim Curry and I don't, I look like him. And, and so the, it wasn't why I was cast, but they wanted me to get away from that as much as possible. And I would say, well, he did it perfectly. Why wouldn't I yeah. follow that? And they said, no, no, we've got to throw it out. Right. So every scene was rebroken up and done. And I, I was actually worried about it. it was, is this going to disappoint people who expect you to be Tim Curry? Right. And they didn't. They went with it from minute one. They totally bought it because it was an entirely new personality. And I learned a lot from that, that you, you, you don't have to worry about whatever came before. And you, if you do it with confidence and you do it well and you make it entertaining, yeah. people will go with it. And um, so this film has the same reinvention. And I think it's, but it's not just, uh, well, you'll see it. It's, 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 I think it's really beautiful. It's going to be a beautiful film. A lot of Oscar winners in this one and Oscar yeah. nominees. What were the, what, what was that experience like for you? And what were the attitudes like coming from some of these actors there? Did, it, did, they, did they feel like movie stars or were they there to play? They were there to work. They were yeah. there to play and uh, lovely, yeah. lovely people. Um, you know, Michael Shannon uh, was, he's in the, um, uh, he's a member of Steppenwolf in the States, and he's done all these uh, wonderful plays by Tracy Letts, who's one of his best friends. And I had just done August Osage County, which is by Tracy Letts. And when we talked about that, it, it all of a sudden opened up a whole different thing. Oh, you've, you know, you've been on stage, and you're not, you know, not just another film actor right. guy. And so you'd find connections to everybody. And um, I think that uh, there was... I never saw attitude on set. You know, I mean, people, when Russell is around, people tend to straighten up a little. They mm -hmm. don't want to be on the bad side, but he was delightful. Yeah. And, you know, he was, he, he's very serious and uh, very earnest, but he's, you know, he has a laugh and uh, it was great to watch him work. Um, but I didn't see any attitude. You know, it was, it was a really great set. I'm so happy to tell you it's a great set. Did Christian Bale visit? Uh, not when I was there. <laughs> 
How about when you weren't there? Um, I don't know. You know what? We, there weren't many visitors to that set. I mean, you know, nobody was, you know, there were very few visitors. Zach's kids came by for a while. They yeah. were on set for a bit. Um, but uh, it was, you know, it was a tight ship. So, uh, you know, uh, Christopher Nolan came once, but not when I was there. I think he came when they were shitting in L.A., but... This isn't uh, your chance to ask Mackenzie every question you've ever had <laughs> about Man of Steel. I want to know everything human. about. Are, well, are you Play signed up for the sequel? That's the big question. I'm not allowed to say. Okay. Uh, how, about, yeah. how about if they make a third movie? Uh, I think there's 20. I think we've got <laughs> yeah. 20 lined up, you know, until Henry's 80 or something, you know. Leave him alone, uh, Vic. You know, all right, I am. Play nice with him. He's not going to um, come back. Uh, all, I, all I can say is that. Uh, just once again, I think it's going to be a fantastic film. And I think that people who are fans of the original comics in the 30s will be really thrilled, as will fans of the Christopher Reeve era. You know, I think they're going to love its, its where it goes. And people who are new to it, who don't have a Superman heritage or pedigree, mm -hmm. are going to go nuts for it because it's, it, it, it invents it in a way that I think they're going to see it. And I say that without having seen the thing. I just know what was shot and what's in the script. Well, before you were here, Scott and I were having a very serious conversation, kind of depressing about uh, how we're just sick of all of the... You're depressed. Well, the uber violence that's happening, because we talk about video games all the time in our in our uh, show and on the on this show. Right. And uh, it, it's a super violent time that's happening across a lot of media, television. A lot of anger. A lot there. of anger, a lot of hostility. And Superman is the, you know, he's the virtuous antithesis. You know, he's a little he, boring. He can be. But he also represents uh, a, a higher purpose and a higher calling and, and uh, I remember he's also an ideal, got, he's right? got a he's got a dilemma. I mean, the thing yeah. that makes Superman interesting, particularly in the formative time in the original cartoons and anything they've explored, is that he's got this huge responsibility, but he has reactions. He has emotional things that get confused, and yeah. he's a very complex character. And yeah. so uh, he's not just a you know wanton destruction or you know go take that thing out. And um, he he thinks about what he does and the consequences. He's a he's a superhero with consequences. Yeah. And aware of consequences, and I think that's really great. Yeah. You know that, which you know I think, um, well, Batman got it certainly in the Christopher Nolan ones. I think you know particularly in the last one. Yeah. You know, um, so don't get us started yeah. on that last one, Scott. And I had problems with some of the the logic choices in that last movie. <laughs> it was artful though. It was well made for yes. sure. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. I, I, I heard uh, somebody talking about how the kiss at the end with uh, Catwoman and uh, and Batman, like when the world's got five seconds left, you know, a number of people have said they thought that was problematic. But you know, it, you, I, I liked it. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it, it, it. They were willing to take that time and risk the world. You yeah. Know? And I think that's. Uh, were you shooting Superman when you saw the Dark Knight? Rises? Was that right around the time that you were on set with that stuff? Oh, God. No, it was afterwards. It was okay. afterwards, yeah. That must have been something, right, to see a movie of that scale on screen and say, I'm in, I'm in the next one. Yeah, well, it, I, I see them as separate entities, but, yeah. uh, you know, but it's going to be big. So. Cool. I mean, I have, I've only seen the trailer in, uh, on, on the computer on, on TV. Yeah. I, wasn't, I did, wasn't in the cinema to see the trailer big. Yeah. And my friends who have all seen it big said, oh, my God, you know, it's, you know. But I, you know what I loved about the trailer, the first one? Yeah. It showed random scenes that were just little snippets of his childhood about different things. You didn't really have, there's no sound. It was just Russell Crowe talking. Yeah. And then at the end, it goes, that one last sh shot of him. 
which was actually aerodynamically perfect when, when you break the sound barrier. That's when you get that auto planning, and yeah. hydroplaning around. And um, I just thought that was so genius to give nothing away but say, look what's coming. It's kind of like yeah. this uh, interview with you, Mackenzie. Thank, thank. <laughs> I'm hydroplaning down here in the harbor. It, it's really cool that you're here, and I think what we have to do is have you come back after the movie comes out, when you can tell us all about your experiences, well, Lex Luthor. Go on the record and, and weighing in with what you want to predict. Yes, slash Brainiac you slash. Gonna, okay, you're going to predict all. Oh, of I'm, I'm on the record. I'm going to say I, I think you're playing uh, Brainiac. I think he's playing Squeaks the Cat. Squeaky the Cat. <laughs> he, he was he was truthful Squeaky about it right from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, somebody put that in a like a funny feed when I wouldn't say what I was, I was playing. And, yeah. uh, and, um, and, and people were making all these guesses, you know, from the Superman, you know, the, the lexicon, I guess. And, uh, and somebody put Squeaky the Cat, and I just thought that was pretty damn funny. So, uh, well, were you, you on know. set in Krypton with Russell Crowe? All right, that's enough. I don't know. I, don't, I, I never Jesus saw it. I don't know. The sets, who knew where they were? They were just sets. Fucking relentless. They were just, they were just sets, you know? <laughs> It's all know. green screen. It's all green screen. It's all green screen. I saw nothing, you know. I just, you know. Kenzie, I can't wait to see go. you on the big screen, brother. Cheers, man. Thank Thanks. you for coming in. Thanks, Thanks for the interview. It's great fun. Yeah. Well, that was kind of cool. We've never had a, a, a guy that's going to be a, possibly one of the biggest villains of all time on our podcast before. Only kind of cool? That's all it rates with you? Is that it was kind cool. Of well, we don't know who the hell's he's playing yet. Well, I think. It's all if, conjecture. I th well, I think, I think it's, it's, it's not Lex Luthor. You don't think it I is? don't think he would be toying with it so openly if it was Lex well, Luthor. They haven't named the character. He's was on there a bunch of days. Listen to me. I, I don't I'm laying I don't, in. I'm I think, saying he's I think not he's Lex Brainiac. Luthor. I think oh, he's Brainiac. He's Brainiac. I think he's Brainiac. I don't even know who that is. Which one is that? He's <laughs> he, the one who solves a, puzzles. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he Puzzle he plays a lot solver. of Simon and then he becomes a supervillain. Simon, now that's that's There's another game back. I should go back to. Yeah, I know. That's an excellent game. No guns, no stabbing in the head inside. Just memorize all the colors and the lights. and. Smoke, Where are you going next on your vision doob. quest? What are you going to do next? I'm going to smoke a doob and play no, some Simon. No, no, Uno. No. Maybe I'm going to go to Felicia Day's house and play some board games. Some tabletop. Yeah, what's that What's that uh, one with, called with the trains? Uh, Runaway Train games. 4? I don't know. I don't know. They have a video game version of it. I'm probably my vision playing. quest continues. You know, we'll check in next week. We'll we'll do it again. Okay. So you think Brainiac? I <laughs> I don't know. I, do you I, think you don't think he's, he's definitely Luther? No. Definitely not. He's in the movie for a big chunk of time. It's only filmed for 15 days. That's not a lot in a movie that's 148 minutes long. If you're Luther, you're fucking. You're on set for months. Yeah, but they're teasing. They're setting things. They're like laying down the foundation for things that are going to come back, or potential threads. And I think they're. Throwing... I know that you would like to believe that here in your home, in your very basement, I know, surrounded by hustlers and old sandwiches. We didn't give him a hustler. What the fuck? Shit! I'm gonna go get him. No, he's I'm gone. getting him. No, listen, I have to give him a hustler. Just wrap this up, okay? okay. Stitcher. All right. The Fan Expo Vancouver is coming up. You can buy tickets to the Canadian Video Game Awards. That's, That's on right. Saturday night. It's going to be the event of the year. Be yep. sure to rent a tuxedo with a ruffled shirt. Scott and I are going to be up on stage telling the industry how they can fix themselves. That's right. We will, we will have a plan, <laughs> an action plan, and I, a map. And I, th I think it will have a lot of uh, chart uh, sort of uh, material around eco. 
We'll just have eco up <laughs> on a slide and we'll say, make games like this. That's right. More of these More games. eco. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll Until next, next time. time. Thank In you. In honor of Roger Ebert, the basement is closed. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs>